all your school rugby all in one place. This is Next Gen 50. Hello and welcome to episode nine. I think we're at now with the Next Gen 15 podcast. Dan Richards alongside me as ever. Dan, how are you getting on? Yeah, pretty good, thanks. Uh, most schools back after half term now, so some big games this weekend uh, to look forward to, is particularly the next few weeks. So, yeah, keen to get talking about it, and certainly with the wingers in that in that team of the decade, there's a there's going to be a huge amount to talk about there. Yeah, so yeah, keen to get stuck in. Yeah, it turns out there's a, there's an awful lot of wingers. Um, it's, it's going to be a hell of a debate trying to settle on trying to settle on two of those, and we're get, we're basically doing that one live because we we've not really prepped the wingers, so it's going to be exciting. Um, before we get into all that, though, just a bit of housekeeping. You can catch us on Acast, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and YouTube, and you can get in touch with us on at NextGen15, and that's going to be really important in the coming weeks because, of course, we've got our top five every week, and we've got some huge games coming up including a number of live streams actually here on next gen 15 starting on saturday with Bryanston against camford then on monday a rare monday game kings worcester vrgs worcester the modus cup from six ways nice to have some rugby getting played at six ways but before we get into all of that a good news story cardinal newman v the judd i'm told it's back on cardinal newman win their appeal the school's cup goes on we don't get a lot of good news stories it's nice to have one yeah, amazing. Look, you probably know more than me on this one. I know very little of the ins and outs. Um, I think it's become fairly clear. You know, we're both big advocates of of stronger rugby in the state school sector. Cardinal Newman's trying to push that judge. You know, also in our top yeah. five, you know, states of the half team. Cardinal Newman, you know, maybe will feel a bit aggrieved to not have been in that list. That'll be a hell of a game. Um, and uh, sounds like hopefully right decision, and they get to push on and. And try and show show the school team what they can do. So yeah, really excited for them and congratulations to well, best of luck to everybody involved in that both sides. Yeah, so really really good news. Yeah, it's absolutely awesome. You know, hats off to the uh, to the RFU sort of made the decision originally, but have had, had a look at it and have, have decided that actually, do you know what what they're saying is right? Let's get this game on. And you know, all all we and pretty much anyone else wants to see is uh, lads getting out there playing a bit of rugby, having fun. So that's. That's exactly what we're going to be getting there. Um, speaking of having fun getting out there and playing rugby, uh, the deadline for entry for the Next Gen 15 Spring League is this Friday. So uh, get your get your emails in to either myself, Angus at nextgen15.com or Jamie Harrison at Gordon School um, and you will be able to register your interest. We've got loads of teams interested so far, 15, 16, uh, hoping to convert interest into uh, into confirmation, but uh, we're looking we're looking at a pretty cool tournament and some some really cool teams. There's going to be some really exciting matchups because there's going to be some teams that don't necessarily play each other all the time, playing against each other. Where you might get you know, for instance, a Hayes School, you know, sort of up and coming state school, potentially up against someone like a Harrow Development side. Just really cool to get those different fixtures. Yeah, it should be pretty even contest with the nature of the way the teams are buying into let's put out an appropriate team for for whatever the level of competition should be should be good fun uh, and a big point to make having having had a bit of a conversation with the RB, which i forgot i hadn't made but intended to is that the whole game on principle is very much in play with the spring league um we want to just get the game played if you haven't got a front row we don't care just play uh, if you've only got 13 players, don't worry, we'll find a solution. Like we, we're getting 
this is all about getting lads out on the field, having fun, playing a bit of rugby. So it's looking, it's looking pretty exciting. No, it sounds that sounds that sounds brilliant. So things like Hayes getting the opportunity there to play that if they do like that Harrods development side as a you know Hayes aside, I think linked up with London Scottish a little bit. Um, yeah, they've got a London you know, Scottish one, and they're now linking up a little bit with Ealing Trailfinders as well. So they got they got loads and loads of cool stuff going on down there. Yeah, and that's got and then you know they'll play and, and really good again for that. You know Harrow will lose quite a few players to the academies league, so we'll see some different names maybe. Some kind of names for the next couple of seasons, some younger players and guys who might have been mainly in the second team, maybe the third team this term or under 16. So, yeah, things like that really cool because it's a great opportunity. So, would encourage as many schools as can to, to sign up and just get involved. Yeah, definitely get involved. Friday deadline. So, get your, get your messages in. We've got to get those, uh, those fixtures arranged ASAP. Um, before we get into the rest, just a reminder of those live streams that I already mentioned, Bryanston Camford on Saturday, Kings Worcester, RGS Worcester on Monday, and then on Friday, it's off to Merchant Taylors for their uh, the culmination of their annual rugby week. 17th, we're down to King's Home in Gloucester for Cheltenham College against Sir Thomas Riches. And then a couple of days later, it's back down to the southwest for Millfield against Wellington College. It is, uh, sorry, Millfield against Whitgift, rather. It is all go uh, at the moment. So very exciting. After a bit of a break from rugby during during half term, it's nice to have it back. Um, and something that we introduced, and it's kind of going to build a fair bit of what we talk about today, um, sort of through half term, was our, was our sort of, a table of table of merit in effect um using the the chess elo rating system basically at the start of the season i went through every single school in the country um which was a long process let me tell you um and gave them gave them a score and that score was based on how they had done last year as under 18s how they had done last year as under 16s the strength of their fixture list uh, and a little bit of uh, inside knowledge on you know whether they were getting some players in on, on scholarships etc so i built a it was a 350 team list each with a each with a rating and basically what that rating means is that if you are number one and you play number two you have a one percent better chance of winning than number two does over number one and so on and so forth um, and then through the season that adjusts up and down and it's used in what well, originally in chess and I trust the people in chess because they are good at maths um, but it's also now used for FIFA World Cup rankings etc etc anyway it kind of it works as a system is what I mean by that whether or not we like the outcome is a completely different kettle of fish but the, it works as a system mathematically um, so we put it out some people like it, some people don't, as is to be expected. It's reasonably accurate, I would say. There are some outliers, but they would probably get shaken out by the uh, by the end of the season, so they're, it's their rightful position. Um, I don't massively want to get into the ins and outs of it in terms of in terms of whether whether we like it, dislike it. It'd be interesting to get your take on it. And you know, not liking it is a very is a very plausible plausible uh, answer. Yeah, from my perspective, is it perfect? No. Is anything perfect? No. Is it more accurate than what currently exists? Yes. Does that mean it needs to exist? Possibly not. Is it fun for the kids? Yes. 
is that the only thing I care about? Kind of yes. Um, it's probably where I'd put put my cards out on it, but it would be interesting to get your take because it has been, you know, some people have loved it, some people have really not loved it, and probably most people sit in the middle. Yeah, I, I quite like it. I think a, a need to exist is an interesting debate, you know, <laughs> as existentialism about anything to do with school or rugby, like does right, anything, yeah, no. you, know, do, you know, does do cups need to exist do fixtures need to exist you know there are all sorts of debates had you know, do we have to record scores all these things you can get into and fundamentally i think we both believe in competition we do believe in yeah we want good competition and i think i said in the first podcast people like to know who shakes out and where they come yeah. i also think this system is used i like it and this links to maybe something else like <laughs> another sport i follow i think it's the same system that the ncaa use or is similar yeah, to yeah, um, I'm a I'm a massive college football fan um and you know those rankings always cause controversy and fans kick off every year but generally come college football playoff time they get it about right I looked at this uh table when, when you published it and I thought it was about right it's certainly miles better I've made no secret of the fact I think that daily mail merit table is an absolute joke um, and all the things about being able to game it and stuff like that. This is so, and look, I'm not, it's very clear to anyone, I'm not involved in any way in this. I've got no association to it. I think it's miles better. The fact that, let's take a wit gift, all right, for now, who have come out at 12 and think they've lost three or four games. There will be some teams who've won seven out of seven or something who'll be up in arms. What we're saying here is actually that doesn't matter because because they've played harder games. They've 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 lost to Sedbur, they've lost to Wellington, um, you know, they've lost some, they've lost really, really they've lost to Trinity, three of probably the top ten. So although Wellington may be slipping outside that top ten, and you know, they probably, I would assume, I didn't see the pre-season, but that Wellington might have actually slipped down because they lost a couple of games, maybe, and some other like some other teams like managed to jump up. But yeah, look, nothing's perfect. This is better than what exists for me. I think you put it alongside Cup Comp, you put it alongside St. Joe's and, and other festivals like Murky, and we start to get a picture and it, and it provokes conversation, it provokes debate, and that's fun as well. And I think your point that, you know, is it a bit of fun? Like, for those involved in the game at the time, yes. And is that primarily what, what, what Next Gen's trying to do, which is, you know, grow that game, get people talking about the game, highlight the great stuff about that game. Yeah, and I think this is another thing that does that. So I know it raised a bit of an issue around scholarship and we're going to talk about that and the and the role of it. And that's a different point. But over, I, I thought I thought it was cool. I thought it was a step forward from any sort of rankings that exist at the moment. And I'm sure loads of kids at schools involved, you know, were, were quite keen to look at it. That's my, would be my take. Yeah, I mean, I... I... There were two things that were really important to me with it. One was that sort of in a, not inappropriate, perhaps perhaps too much of a too much of a strong word for it, but fixtures against teams where you're gonna go and win 50-0 and you do go and win 50-0 actually gain no reward in this system. Other than the fact that you have won a game, it basically means nothing. Um and I was pretty keen to ensure that because what we've, you know, it, as we've spoken about time and time again, it really makes no sense for those games that almost to exist, other than the fact that sometimes they are a historical fixture and therefore, fine, absolutely, get it in your fixture list. Um, but the fact that you've won 50 mil is kind of irrelevant to everyone. 
and that this kind of it basically just smooths out that yes the game existed but the big high that potentially could exist elsewhere with it just doesn't doesn't exist at all um and then the other bit was that if you're playing appropriate level fixtures and just losing them that doesn't make you a bad team it just makes you a team that is playing hard fixtures and to reflect that in it whitgift as you said is a is a good example of that where they you know they've lost lost some games but they are they are definitely you know one of the better teams in the country um you know there are lots of teams they they could go and play and get those 15-0 wins but they don't do that they challenge themselves um so we wanted to be able to reflect that is it perfect of course not um nothing is yeah there, yeah. Is, there are some sides that i think are probably rightly aggrieved not to be there for instance on the other hand again that came down to an elective process there are probably some teams that are really awesome people who are very annoyed about their team not being there who may well actually be 26th or 27th but we had we picked a cut off point that we were going to publish because another key principle for me was we didn't want to make people feel bad for not being as good as they might be and we had to therefore pick a cut off point of publishing i actually have every team from 1 to 350 but i've no interest in putting out in public that we've decided that some team is the 318th side in the country that does nobody any favors so you got to pick a cutoff point somewhere so there're probably a lot of people that are very aggrieved who are actually incredibly close to being not aggrieved <laughs> they just don't know yeah. <laughs> okay. i guess in some ways the harder one just thinking about it because obviously you have that start score is a school let's go to a school we talked about someone like a fimber yeah. who again i have no idea where they would have been placed but they i mean certainly if my perception the table they kind of taken that first 15 world caught it quite pretty by surprise yeah. so they might have to work to get into that but then the cup shakes that out and kind of think as you're saying to if they as they keep accruing now kind of these big headline wins you know because again i think they've am i right in saying fimber of beaten it switch who were then 10th beaten it switch yeah, yeah. yeah and that's so it's and yeah when there are there are sort you know quite a few sides have been beaten by the scores and that's why people will moan um that's the nature of things but I, you know I always say this man city sometimes lose to some people but they still finish up at the top yeah so it's it's but you know what i would assume with the system again knowing nothing about it really the mechanics of it that if him say clock up another couple of cup wins they probably appear in the top yeah, 10 it's, because it's they're up, yeah. they're getting these massive points jumps i would yeah. assume every with every victory they get so they could shoot from being i don't know where they would be now let's let's say so oh, sorry you cut right, and then and then and then they could jump to being in the top 10 in a get in a game or two and that's that's actually yeah so i mean it's just to give people a rough idea of of how this works you have um it's just to pick out a couple of teams because i'm looking at the table here uh Clifton College in second place and Trinity currently in third place whichever one of them beats the other were they to play each other makes almost no difference to their place in the table because they're so close they won't get much but let's say Radley College who are sitting in 24th beat Clifton College there's a huge jump for them and the same would apply to someone like Fimber if they put you know their result against Ipswich probably I don't know off the top of my head what their original sort of prediction was but i think we probably would have had them at let's say 100 beating ipswich will have jumped them from 100 to about 30 yeah 
they get another one like that. And as you say, they're jumping up and up. So it's interesting. I mean, I, there was a lot, there was a lot of positive, a lot of, particularly from the, from the kids, which really is the most important thing in all of these kind of things. There were also a lot of negatives, but I think a lot of them were quite constructive negatives. They were about whether this is pushing people towards uh, too far away from that kind of development ethos and more into a winning ethos. I think on, on that, a little bit of that is dealt with if people actually take the time to go and have a read of how the system works, because it actually doesn't really, doesn't really reward inappropriate victory. Uh, it reward it just rewards good competitive rugby is really the aim behind it. Um, and perhaps we didn't explain that as well, but uh, yeah, it's a good constructive bit of bit of negative feedback. And that it's it is it, you know with all every time there is competition or or comparison between between teams, there that debate is a live debate. Is this is this putting too much into whether teams are focused too much or whether we are presenting school rugby is too much about result competition etc and should it be more about development my answer to that a lot of the time is our job is to make it engaging and fun for the people that are the audience school's job is still to make it fun but school's job is to develop players because we can't assist in player development there's there's not, there's nothing we can do about that you know we can't we're not coaches we're not we're not able to see that progress from from whatever a player arrives as to what they finish at. and when we can't help in that process what we can help in is making that process as fun and engaging as possible for them yeah finding ways to do that so i kind of rankle a little bit when we get told sometimes that we're pushing one way too much it's the only direction we can push we can't we can praise development and we can praise what a school's ethos is on that but we can't really participate in that because we're, yeah. we're not a part of it um, yeah. it's, it's but it's a it's a live debate and it's a yeah fair one. I, I think that i would say as a as someone who's been ahead of rugby at two schools i think you'd i think you just accept it for what it is i'd like to think, and if i think if you're getting wound up by it i would you know it's kind of again focus on what you can control like so again let's go when i was at the catering job you wouldn't have been expecting to be seen in this top 25 we knew about where we were we were probably trying like if we had a really good year like towards the end of probably actually the year after i left Cajun may well have pushed towards being around 20 to 25 and that'd be amazing um but then actually you know and then when you move to wellington college you're probably going to want to be in that top 10 every year just and you'll look at it or, or certainly the players in your program will want to be as a coach you're not going to measure yourself by it like so you know i i know i know for a fact that we'll go with gift Carter Carl at Wellington, like Noxie said, but they won't be measuring their success, but they'll they'll still be looking at what they're doing in their program. I'd be worried if they were. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that's not with it. Again, it's what was it? Is it this is it's just a bit of fun for for the, for the audience, for the intended audience, and it's yeah. something and it's it's a fun for people to engage with. I don't think people need to get. I don't think it is like you can argue anything that is a competition is inherently elitist, and there's obviously there's issues with it. If, Elitism is meritocratic. It's kind of if, if if elitism is nepotistic, then it's not cool. And we're going to talk about scholarship and stuff in a minute. But I, I think I would say if people are getting really wound up, don't like this is just something that's there to to kind of again to to 
the spotlight, get people talking about it. It's trying to grow the game. And, and you know, I'm, again, as someone who not currently coaching in a school, but has come from that, I would say you just would have been like, yeah, that, that's a cool thing for the for the guys to look at, for the players and parents to look at. And that's that's exactly what it should be. So it's 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 all uh, it's all interesting stuff i mean we'll we'll kind of park that side of it for now but yeah. but to the audience do please get in touch like we actively want your feedback on this the best way that we can make this as good as it can be is if we get your views on it and we can adjust and tweak to make sure that it reflects what you want to see ultimately it's about what you want to see so we'll keep the feedback coming we really do welcome it um We'll fight back when we disagree with the feedback, but a lot of it is actually really useful. So, you know, we'll, we want, we want to hear it all, but and a topic that's sprung out of this, uh, I mean, it's, it's a topic that always exists. Um, but every so often a piece of content will go out and it will raise the debate again. And it's, I suppose it's sort of three things in one topic. One is this, this perception that, um, that rugby doesn't care about state schools and that there is an elitism thing and that the role of scholarships is is a distorting factor and is a is a negative and um, you know the to put it in the context of of the of this table um you know a huge amount of, of of feedback has been oh look at that the you know the top however many are are all uh, fee-paying schools who use scholarships extensively it's just elitist now there's an there's a side of that that is as bare facts that's true. Um, as a as a negative, I think that that's a that's an unfair position for people to take on those schools. Um, but you've been on the inside, you know the the role that scholarships play far better than I do, um, and I think it it's it'd be good to get the sort of facts out there for people on. Kind of how scholarships work, what they're for, and actually why they're not this force for evil that is sometimes that they're sometimes viewed as. Yeah, hundred no, percent. I think firstly with some of that state school stuff, I, was, I assume that the ACE colleges just have they're not part of this, so they. So, yeah, so we haven't included ACE colleges because, yeah. because the cross because there are no cross fixtures. Yeah, and they have their own league already anyway. It doesn't make yeah. sense to try and so, position. And we probably have to be aware that. If we were going to these colleges, there'd be five of them, four of them in the top twenty-five. So that would yeah. that would distort the balance again, right? To come to scholarship, so a few things. Um, I think there are myths that exist out there, certainly that I, I've encountered a lot, and in in reality, way more so when I was at Wellington than, than when I was at um, at Cajun. It's because when you win more, people think you've acted in an underhand way. It's the nature of unfortunately doing well. Um, Scholarships are, so the idea that people like myself, when I was in that role, go around watching state school games on a, on a touchline, I had the time to do that and go in, where are you going for sixth form? We can just make it free. That isn't true. Okay, that, 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 that is not true. And it, it certainly isn't true of any of the schools that I've been involved with. It certainly isn't true of any schools that I've know what the, the workings of and I'd be a, I would just be absolutely flabbergasted if that existed anywhere. The the reality of scholarship, so independent schools are charities. 
okay they have charitable status that's controversial in its own right in this country that isn't as a political issue that isn't for us to discuss right it's, now it's just it's just a fact it's, it's <laughs> yeah. take that take that as fact these schools have a duty to do something so to provide opportunities one way in which they do that is by seeking pupils who they would who wouldn't get the opportunity that they could be afforded at that independent school at the current situation they are in um, quite often because of defunding and again the funding of sport in state schools is not something we have any control over but it has dwindled okay lots of state schools now don't have allocated game sessions so they very few like as a percentage can offer Saturday sport and we have heaped praise upon those who are fighting against all sorts of odds to kind of be super competitive within that but it isn't there for lots of kids so I would say I'm a huge fan of scholarship in the right way in terms of you know, when you're finding someone quite often and it's quite often linked with an academy. So through a DPP program, this is again, I can only talk from personal experience. So you'd speak to and say, look, is there anybody at non-rugby playing school who you think's got bags of potential who you think would benefit here? Um, there's also other issues around kind of if you're in a boarding environment, if home situations can be different. No, there are other things where boarding schools particularly can provide a safe haven. For, for really talented kids if if life at home is chaotic um so those ones i think are and they are that is the overwhelming majority there are controversies that if you go back 15 years there was a lot more movement between rugby playing schools if you want um those ones understandably cause more issue and i would again i've been I, i'm not a big fan of them like people moving from a decent rugby playing school to what's perceived as a better one now again but again i also when i was ahead of rugby we had people move from schools who were perfectly like really good rugby programs it was never driven by us okay it was driven by the people and the parent and you'd speak to the school it's i think that this perception that again that kind of people are acquiring talent isn't 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 quite true what you're trying to do is provide opportunity you're trying you know you're trying to provide a transformative experience to give a people the chance to excel in what's it in in their chosen sport and be that rugby cricket football hockey lacrosse there's so many you know school you know netball yeah, these these are these aren't just don't just exist in school rugby and then hopefully the chance to excel educationally as well so that if you know because the chance of getting a contract are slim that you can then give them support they need to go off to a really good university so uh, overwhelmingly for me scholarships have a positive have a positive role to play of course they impact the level of a team you, you you can't deny that okay look and i again i'll speak about my team you know, we were made better by boys that came in all right that at, at both caterham and at Wellington, yeah. there's nothing to be ashamed of. We'd be very honest in conversation. You know, if you and my, if we played each other, we're having a chat after a game or before the game. You'd say, "Oh, look, look the, these three lads kind of joined at, at sixth form." No one's hiding it. Yeah, um, yeah, schools have different approaches. So again, some schools want to be cup eligible, which means you want to only, you know, probably only have three or four boys new to school. 
um, in the system. Some schools aren't as bothered by that and they may be less full, you know, so they may want to get some schools might be trying to use rugby as a kind of big PR vehicle for their school. So they you know, that that's that's then where it gets a bit more we want to, you know, we want to get a few more guys in. Yeah. And I get why people get annoyed, but it's actually if you look at those characters, see them as individual people, they are generally young people who are so deserving of an opportunity who really benefit not just rugby wise but educationally from that opportunity and come out the other side of it hopefully better people better equipped for the world beyond school now the fact they've helped their school win a few games they might not have won all right that rankers with a few angry parents on a sideline but overwhelmingly there the game and the school have done a good thing would be my take on it what to me they've they've not been given a scholarship to join a rugby team they've been given a scholarship to join a school and that, yeah. that's the bit that sometimes gets lost is that the rugby is really just one very small part of school life um in terms of the time it, <laughs> the time it takes up you know there really is is about giving people opportunities um yeah there's probably there's probably a handful every year where you go you've not really got more of an opportunity. You've just moved from one place that's full of opportunities to another that's full of opportunities. Maybe those ones are a little more controversial, but as you say, often in those scenarios, they are driven not by the school that's offering a scholarship or giving a scholarship, but by, by, the, um, by the player and their families themselves, or oftentimes by an academy who's gone this is a very promising rugby player. We we basically require you to move to X, Y, or Z school, or we're going to find it very difficult to progress further with you. That's not the school's fault. It's, it's not really anyone's fault other than kind of the academies and that sort of scenario. There, there, there's there's an awful lot more nuance to this than is often than is often met with. Um, I think sometimes where the debate where the debate really arises from is that often it means that state schools and smaller schools that perhaps have quite sort of proud rugby programs but they don't necessarily get the, the recognition for that because when it gets to sit form when there's a bit more noise about things they've lost a lot of their sort of top level players and i think that possibly rankles with them now the reality is we have a part to play in that if we had the info we could probably praise a little bit more about what, what has been what has been done and you know I would always shout out to to any school like if a player of yours has moved or a pupil of yours has moved from from your school to a different school in sit form let us know because we'll we'll praise you you know we, we will give you the credit for having played it played a role um but I think that maybe is where it rankles is that some some feel that they are they they get boxed out yeah of conversation um and you know and, you, you then get the state school issue in that there are you know sport and state schools as you say is is a is a, de a declining force just because of, of funding the other bit on the state school kind of wider argument why do state schools not feature more we do have to remember that rugby is a minority sport um football is the most popular sport in the country by miles um there are not that many state schools that play rugby. Um, there are some, and they do a really good job of it. You know, we've spoken about it in, in the past, you know, just to name a couple off the top of our head, we've already mentioned the Judd, Cardinal Newman, John Fisher, 
have been wonderful for years. RGS High Wycombe, one of the most historic rugby schools in, in the country. There are lots and lots that do a really, really great job. But fundamentally, there are not that many that play rugby because most people play football and that's fine. And it's, it's always a bit that's, con that's, I think, gets ignored on the, uh, the kind of rugby is an elitist sport argument, which is yeah. people forget that rugby is a minority sport. Yeah, and it's. I think there there is a money thing with the provision in terms of independent schools can afford to hire someone in the title of head of rugby mm. at, at a state school. It will generally be what expertise is held by the PE staff. So, again, this isn't about the parable of me, but you know, my academic subjects it isn't PE. So I've I've held the head of rugby folks at, at two schools. I, I don't teach PE. That would be. I would assume non impossible in the state sector just in terms of timetabling, but the independent sector can afford that luxury. Um, I think there's also a really good point there about kind of acknowledging, you know, kind of players, you know, origin story. I mean, you want to say, or, you know, in terms of, you know, this a player's pathway, uh, you know, begins at, you know, when they're under nine or whatever in their local rugby club but it be, schools acknowledging that when someone has joined and played a big part is important that, again I'd, i don't mean to embarrass someone so we're going to talk about it in a minute but take take cassis cleaves then who was at wellington when i was there he talks a lot about the fact that he went to work both women's college and at wellington college um we tried when we would put stuff out about Cass to, to tag Wimbledon College in it. And I would like to think that that Neil at, at Wimbledon, who does an incredible job at, at, at Wellington, at Wimbledon College, um, would feel that Cassius moving was the right thing for Cass at that time and helped him progress. And he felt that that Wimbledon College rightly got the recognition because Wimbledon College played a huge, huge role in Cass. I, I, I genuinely say, and this is not because you brought him up and because he, he was under your guidance for a couple of years, but Cassius Cleves is actually one of the best examples of a player whose who's first senior school was well recognised as playing a role, um, more so than most other players, I think, uh, partly because Wimbledon College are very good on yeah. social media and partly because of the nature of the two schools. You were both very good at working together to to kind of talk about what was what the situation yeah and that's and, and i think to be fair like just give give cassius his credit he was very proud to be from both schools you know yeah. and, and and that's you know he was very keen you know he was so deeply embedded in you know and loved playing for wellington college you know, for you know, when it came to the point that he might have to miss games for representative rugby you know, so he's like he never wanted to do that he wants to remember getting ruled out for injury before the center game he was desperately like fighting to, to not you know he wanted to yeah that playing in that shirt meant the world to him but also his time at woman the college meant a huge amount to him you know that that win at roslyn park with that woman the college team you know meant a huge amount to him so and that's that's really you know he was a great ambassador for that and you're right it was it was yeah it was you know we were able to do that but there were others again again as you said social media profile helps because there were other guys who came um where we weren't able to because maybe that school again a couple of guys who came so let's say where to will hobson another guy who joined his professional rugby playing out in the state sector where he came from didn't play as much rugby so they didn't have there wasn't a, 
a, a PE department, a sports department account we could tag. Yeah, you know, when, when interaction is just harder to, to generate. Yeah, so it, it made it a bit harder for us to kind of put it out there that, look, we're, we're very proud of this player and we think we've played a role, but actually we also acknowledge that lots of, you know, we would tag Harlequins, you know, and the academy because you're trying to get, you know, understand that this is holistic. No one person you know, is is in charge of a player's development. It takes it takes a village to kind of take a cliche and use it slightly differently. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, there's so I think that's really important. But lots of these boys, as you said, there are a few every year where you go, did you need to go? And there'll be a few people who go, look, yeah, I get that, and they're all fine. But there's a few where people didn't need to move, and I could throw a couple of Wellington College boys who moved from other places where they didn't need to go, and and that's kind of fair um but you know you've got to think do you want to take away these incredible opportunities that hundreds of young men and women get across sports every year for the sake of a couple of ones where that again can sit a bit and come through but for reasons as you said quite often not in the kind of destination schools control it could be sat with parents sat with outside stakeholders um and also again these aren't as i said go right back to the start the idea that free rides are giving out to loads and loads of kids is just not true you know there is more bursary for the charitable status at play which means you know you which is which is right um and if you're going to get a scholarship you have to work hard and you have to show you're going to be a good member of that community that you're going to be in the classroom take study seriously you're not showing up to be a professional rugby player from 16 to 18. You're going, as you said, was really, you're going to a school, you're expected to be an ambassador for that school, to play an active life, in an active role in all parts of the life of that school. And in my experience, overwhelmingly, these guys have, again, I think back to Cage from a guy, a guy called, again, I'll name drop another guy, hopefully I won't, but a guy called Quasi Athena Williams, right, who came in, again, same, same sort of idea of, as came from uh, Rutlish School, another like again decent state school program. We would we would try and tag them, and he's gone on. Now his rugby has accelerated, but he's gone on. He's got first class degree. He's flying professionally. He went on to be head of the boarding house. He was deputy head of school. But he and he would he got amazing opportunities like through that that I think he would say he wouldn't have got in his in in the environment he was in. Um, and I hope that isn't embarrassing to, to Cassius or Quasi by, by doing that. But it's, you know, there are so many brilliant young people who deserve these opportunities. We can't give them all opportunities. There are, but schools overwhelmingly are trying to do good things by very deserving young people when they give out scholarships. They're not just thinking about, oh, we're going to get the win in that derby match would be my point. Well, also the... Every it, what always happens in these scenarios is that everyone gets just sort of tarred with the brush of handing out scholarships like confetti. First of all, that doesn't happen. Second of all, there are lots of teams. Just to use the the table we put out the other, day, there are lots of teams up at the in that sort of top twenty five zone that don't have anyone on scholarships. Yeah, but, but people just go. Oh, well, it's just a, it's just a posh public school. They're giving out scholarships. And it's like, well, no, that's not that's not quite how it works. Um, yeah, and there's a there's a there's a perception that is a long way from the reality. Oh, um, it, yeah, it's you know primarily it's a, it, it's unfair on the kids really that are, that are going out there there and playing and getting getting yeah. sick for having a scholarship they don't even have. 
Um. <laughs> I guess my my last again. You're right. Last couple of points for me on it would be you're right. Your point about how big a game rugby is. You know, at ages nine to eleven or nine to thirteen, depending on the entry point of that. You know, rugby is played much more widely in independent preparatory schools than it is in state primaries. Most people, most students who go to independent prep schools go on to independent senior schools. Some go to grammar schools and and some go to state school. Of course, they do, but that gives independent schools a competitive advantage into into and that is that right no like but it's not you know we can't change that right now we're not in a position to um my last point would be it's kind of a plea to people to stop using the word import i hate it like when people used to talk at me about like and even people use it quite a lot who are the imports this year like people would argue who's it's like can we not commoditize children um you know we're we're talking about young people's lives okay it's, it's a young person who will have worked phenomenally hard to earn a scholarship to earn an opportunity if we can remove the use of word import this is isn't something a school orders from amazon right so i just think that to me that's a personal grievance i hate yes, that to yeah, him. and i would that you know we're talking about people young people who have again overwhelmingly worked phenomenally hard to get where they are Let's give them the respect they deserve, like the status of scholar. That's cool. Like brand somebody's an import, I don't think is oh, yeah. is a nice thing to if do. Not, if someone comes in on an academic scholarship, no one's calling them an import, are they? And hundred percent. And that was yeah, hundred percent. Supporting yeah. scholarship is exactly the same thing as an academic or a music scholarship. It is just a recognition of the fact that you are someone who who has shown ability and promise in an area. And someone wants to give you a great opportunity in life. That is it. Um, it's not about anything else. I don't know if anyone can tell, but we both care quite a lot about this. Um, <laughs> we're going to park it there because uh, yeah. we've, we've got on for we've got on for ages. Um, and I want to look ahead to the weekend. Um, we'll kind of go through it quite quickly, but there are just some some great fixtures. One fixture that I was really looking forward to that is now not on Saturday and is on. Wednesday of next week is uh, Hampton versus Harrow because that's yeah. a cup fixture that is going to be awesome. Two unbeaten sides going head to head. Two sides, of course, that are in top five of uh, no, sorry, top ten of that uh, that table. It's going to be it's going to be a cracker, but it's a little way away now. Um, but there's some that are really jumping out to me. I'm really excited about Judd against Campion. That's two. Well, just to go back to the conversation we've just been having, that is two really great state schools going head to head that'll be that'll be absolutely awesome um a real on another state school actually going up in what is a really historic fixture and i actually think this year probably a very even fixture dulwich against john fisher um i think that, no. could, be, that could be a really competitive yeah that's a really interesting one isn't it yeah probably neither kind of quite hitting like they again both got good groups maybe neither quite hit the heights they would have hoped to at, at the start and again that Judd Campion game as well you know that's again probably two if you were going to do a historic kind of last decade top well, last 20 years top 10 they'd both be there it swung back and forth Judd probably going as favourites yeah. this Saturday but but you know if you were playing that game in the certainly kind of early part of the 21st century Campion would have been heavy favourites in that yeah. one so it's nice to see like those sort of those Derby's developed so it's um yeah like really really cool again and, and 
again three three stakes within two in two really big games there. Yeah, that Dulwich Fisher one is really intriguing. Yeah, after after him, who's going to come out firing? Yeah, I think I mean I genuinely think that's one where you could say that go that could go either way. Another one that I, I'm quite interested in is Cranley against RGS Guildford. Largely because RGS Guildford taking that early scalp in the season against Epsom College tailed off a little bit towards half term. Cranley probably not quite where they've been in years past, but still a very good team. But I actually think you yeah, a bit of the local derby as well, kind of kind of not too far far away from each other. I think that's another one that could be quite close. Could surprise a few people with how close that one could be. Yeah, again, it's again Cranley a little, you know, we haven't talked a lot about Cranley, which would be, you know, surprising and, and and they're going okay. It's not again, probably not a vintage year for them, but they're 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 a good side and yeah. I say RGS RGS Guildford came out came out firing. Um amazing result at the start. As you say, there's a bit of a I don't know how much they probably compete a little bit for students at the bottom end. So there's a little bit of like a little bit of bragging rights on yeah, offer there. Sure. Um, sure there's a little bit going on, isn't there? Um and and so so yeah that'll be Again, you'd probably say probably the first time in a long time maybe RJS Guildford going as favourites in, yeah, in that one, which you probably wouldn't have said that for, for, for some time. So now I've said that, it's going to go the other way. So I don't oh, know yeah. about the first two, <laughs> but, but, but yeah, again, good luck to all of those. That'll be a great game, yeah. Um, where, else are we, where else are we this weekend? Sedberg, Denston College. That's a really interesting one. I think Denston, Denston could give Sedberg one of their tougher games so far this season. Uh, physical outfit. That's probably if you're gonna if you're gonna cause separate problems. I think you've got to be pretty physical against them. Um, yeah, we Sedber always are a very slick handling side. Um, yeah. What's the best way to counter that? It's being very physical. It's making people go backwards, putting them under pressure to put, to perform those skills. Denston are well placed to to do that. Sedber still still going as favourites, but they'll have to be at their best. I would say. Oh yeah, look, look, Rupert will have got Dunstan prepped. I always, I can't. It's an interesting one, isn't it? Like you kind of think, right? How do we exactly what you said? Right, we got we're going to have to combat Sedba's skills, you know, with with line speed by giving them no no space to play. Something we talked about a bit when when I, when, when we tried when I unsuccessfully to to get a win against them, but they are so good at playing around line speed. They're, you know, the way for a schoolboy side, um, and again, it's, it's through the years, so it's, it's credit to the coaches through the school, but the way they are able to hold their depth and execute, like, catch pass at speed, it, it makes it look simple, it makes it look like they're playing against, like, that, that they've got heavy numbers at full time, so just manage, most teams will try and jam, kind of, not let them get outside the 12 channel, and they will just be able to get outside that and then all of a sudden they'll break down that outside 15 and, and make 30 metres and it looks like they've just stood there and pivoted and caught and passed and people are like well that's easy it, it's so far from easy what what those what they said the teams do I always find it extraordinary watching and I guess it's not a, it's a view that you only really get pitch side but but standing pitch side watching said but the the ambition in the level of depth that they have on their attack is is yeah. kind of mad like we've we've all being coached, we, we've all we've all been in teams where everyone's talking about depth and you know, add more depth, add more depth, and you try and you try and you try, but there comes a point where it feels like you're almost. You know, I'm so deep, it's just, you know, this is just silly. Like I'm, I can't. I need to start yeah. get higher. 
that thought never seems to cross the the minds of of a, of a set of people. They yeah. the depth they have is extraordinary. They just to the point where you see guys and you think he's just out of the game. He's only coming in in phase four or five because he's so deep. And then you find that's how they've countered the line speed. It, it, I find it extraordinary to watch and, and it's yeah. a testament to the pace and fitness that they've got as well. Yeah, and to be fair, pretty unusual. You know, most of them you know, will be kind of you know get flat to get wide, and the way the game is going. And look, said because they'll do that, and we're not like Sebra up front. You know, there's a that's a decent pack, and they'll be able to muscle up and try and fight fire with fire as well. And maybe that's why they're so hard is that they can win that arm wrestle and 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 then also <laughs> win the game of chess. But it's it's it, look, Densden will go there, and they won't go down without firing a shot. That, that that's for sure, and it'll be a again for me that it'd be a good game to watch probably an interesting challenge yeah i think yeah, and, yeah. it'd be interesting um there's loads and loads of features I, we could we could go on for ages at going in on depth on loads of features but just to just to quickly run through a few that i also think particularly stand out warwick against bedford um should be a pretty tight and exciting game rugby school against stamford equally i think could be could be a really good game ipswich against Haleybury. ipswich you'd say going his favorites to that but I also think there's there's a potential for a really good game there. Um, yeah. One though that I want to, I just want to flag up. I, I think I, I think we both would say that we know where this one would go in terms of the the result. But I find it quite an interesting fixture is Radley College against Kirkham Grammar School. Not two schools mm-hmm. that I would necessarily go. I see them playing against each other. Um, very much not on each other's circuit, but um, quite a cool fixture for that mm-hmm. reason. That- that is cool. Are they is that being is it at Radley? At Was Radley, it at, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's and I would you know Radley been getting better for a while now. Nick, Nick Wood's been there and they're kind of again and doing it through intake as opposed to sixteen plus to go back to an earlier our earlier conversation. They've been getting working very hard at, at getting good kind of guys joining the school. Um, yeah, again, a lot, a lot of props as well. Nick Wood's clearly clearly <laughs> working on the front yeah. row. Yeah, and again, and you get a bit of internal. You know, they've obviously Will Stewart's come through there, and they can then that's a bit of internal inspiration. You can hang your hat on that, and it's the place you can come and get better, and 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 all those sorts of things. And there's another couple of props as well who I've not mentioned there, so apologies. But it's yeah, I think I would say, and we we say, look, let, let's give a bit of kind of tip of the hat to to Radley there for stepping outside what is normally a very traditional fixture list and going, all right, like we think we've got a bit better now. Let's let, let's go and try and play Kirkham Grammar and see how we go. So yeah, as you say, really really interesting fixture there. That's, that's a, a really, cool one. A really cool fixture. And then just another one. I I, I, want, I want to get your take on really. Um, a bit of a classic fixture, cross border, Millfield, and you'll have to check my pronunciation. But Millfield against Clandovery College. Yeah, Clandovery. But yeah, you're all right. Yeah, you, you did all right for for an Englishman. You did all right. Um, I, I tried to do it really fast so you wouldn't be able to catch it. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's like where's that being played this year? At Millfield. Yeah, so, so that's one that's been going a while. So um, and so and it's it's got tougher. So Clandovery, for those again, we don't talk a lot about the Welsh system, but uh, Clandovery used to primarily play in in a kind of they would have been if we were doing this in the early part of twenty first century, they would have been a school we talked about because they played primarily English independent schools. Then the Welsh colleges system came in in order to be to have academy-based players in Wales. They had to play part of that, so they're kind of a bit shackled by that system. 
but they keep a few traditional fixtures going. Um, and uh, and those those two are Milford and Sedbur primarily. Um, it's one that's gone both ways. Probably at the moment, it, it's interesting. It depends what side they put. So you need to look at where the Welsh colleges fixtures are like. So if yeah. we have a colleges league game, like on the Wednesday, because that's played on Wednesdays, yeah. it can get it can be a bit of a mismatch. Whereas if they've got a bye week, then it's probably tighter. Um, probably Millfield favourites at the moment. Millfield's like really strong year. Knowing a little bit about Flandre this year, they're not. A couple of years ago, they got back to being super strong again. Got to the colleges final. Um, aren't quite where they where they were, but they're still bloody good. Um, sorry, probably language there. Um, um, but yeah, those games are cool. Like in terms, you know, a bit. It's not quite the same as that sort of Sedbur Blackrock game, but it's just that they're, they're they're cool to it's see. Really cool. It's a cool historic fixture, yeah. isn't it? Um, yeah. And two now you you'll know more about this than me, but two two schools that do some cool stuff with their socks, which I always like. I like niche stuff, sock stuff. Millfield, if you get your colours, you move from having a navy blue set of socks to a royal blue set of socks. I've actually yeah. got a pair of those because I got them as a gift, which is very exciting. That's cool. Uh, for a school rugby noise like myself. And Recovery yeah. like College do is it if you've played against Sedbur, you get a different set of socks. Is that right? Yeah. So it always used to be that. So so Christ Brecon used to be the big game, and that would have its own week. And yeah. there's a whole sort of thing around a toy monkey and a dinner after it, and look, which again is that like the uh, the toy they put on? Is it when uh, is it when the Scarlets play Bath or something? There's a there's a uh, goes on top of the post. Yeah, 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 yeah. So which actually has a bit of a a dark because a, a a monkey was killed a long time by boys in the sort of late nineties <laughs> in the early part of twentieth century. But um so you'd have a separate chapel so you'd be presented them. Uh, that has moved now to as because that game got cancelled. So it was the oldest schoolboy fixture in the country. And then because Landovery got so much stronger, Christ College Brecon actually got a little bit better in the last couple of years. So yeah, it'd be nice to see and I think yeah, I think they play through the school and, and kind of hope I'd let everyone would love to see that game back on. But it's um yeah, there'll be a, a socks and shorts kind of ceremony for, for special games and someone will come in and do present yeah and do presentations and when you get your first when you get your colours, you get a different blazer as well, as is as is the case at lots of schools. But yeah, they'll they'll have different socks for the for the Semper game, I think now, which has replaced the, the Bracken game as that one. But um Cool thing when you're involved. 100. percent Well, who doesn't who doesn't like stash? Let's put it that way. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone likes a bit of stash. Um, just to finish off on fixtures, there are loads and loads of really great fixtures. Um, obviously, you know, Sherville, Clifton College, Tunbridge and Port, loads and loads and loads of great fixtures. Um, but we don't have time to go through them all. Uh, otherwise, we would literally be here all day. But just to finish up on that, please do tune in. 2:45 kickoff on Saturday. Bryanston against Camford. I think it should be a pretty decent game. Two sides of in the past, had some really, really top teams, um, and it'd be nice to have them have them playing on the live stream. But final bit of business today: wingers for our <laughs> greatest school fifteen of the last decade. Backline so far: Alex Mitchell from Lim High School at Scrum Half, Marcus Smith from Brighton College at Fly Half, an all-star centre partnership currently going at it together at Bath of Cameron Redpath from Bedford and uh, Ollie Lawrence from Bromsgrove. And now it's the job of the two men outside them. There are so many options here. Um, 
yeah, I think I've got 15 names at the moment. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so, it, it's just it's just nuts. I mean, there, there are lots of guys who we probably won't talk about because they are primarily fullbacks in their school career, although they might be playing yeah. now. You know, for instance, a guy like Lewis Liner. Yeah. Um, at Hampton, I think probably Sam Aspland Robinson comes into that conversation as well. He's played his pro career as a winger. Now I think actually playing down at Rosson Park a little bit outside yeah. centre. Um, as a schoolboy, primarily a fullback. So we've got a few of those guys where we're, because of the sheer numbers, we're going to go, you were a schoolboy fullback, so you're a fullback for the purposes of our conversation. Um, that doesn't really narrow the list down at all, though, because there are some extraordinary players. I guess I guess we may as well start at Wellington College, actually, with a guy that I think is probably the one that we're going to decide is definitely in. Um, but I suppose just before I do that, the list from Wellington College is quite extraordinary. One guy I want to definitely talk about is Ben Loder. Um, and then we'll come on to Cassius Cleves, who uh, we've already mentioned. But Ben Loder, an, an extraordinary schoolboy player, probably excelled more as a pro than as a schoolboy, which is not to knock his, uh, his schoolboy performances. But I, I think he has gone on to greater things as a pro relative to his schoolboy performance. Both of them were 10 out of 10. It's just that his pro has moved into sort of 12 out of 10. Yeah, I think he, he played in that, so obviously before my time at Wales, he played in that side and he, I'm going to get this wrong now, but I think he played with Sam, Aspen Robinson, didn't he? And that, and yeah, I think they had a year together and they had Tom Parton as well. Yeah, I was going to say in T-Pit, yeah, so Tom Parton and that, and what was... Uh, you know, you could argue whether that whether that Roslyn Park side or Cambridge Pass Sedbur Roslyn Park side are, you know, probably two. If we're going to choose a kind of a team of the decade for Roslyn Park, so those two, that Wellington side and that Sedbur side. I remember seeing them when I was there with with Caitlin at the time, just be like, that's that's a level. They are a level above everybody oh, yeah. here. Just so comfortable. Because um, again, I had Sam on my list. Because again, I. And this is what again you'll know the years better because I thought because I thought that back three was at school was Aston Robinson, Loader, and Parton. Yeah, I think Which, now that I think about it, I think maybe one I think, year. Um, I think they had one year where I think Aston Robinson must have been a they were out kilter, I think. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, yeah. I think they played one year where they were all together, and in that year, Parton was a fullback. And I yeah. Think another year where they weren't, and Aston Robinson was a fullback. Okay. But. Yeah. I mean, we're testing the limits of memory now. Yeah, um, no, hundred percent. So it's either way. I what, mean, what an insane back three. I, and I think an interesting one. So again, different players. You know, Sam very kind of footwork, speed based. Obviously, has you know moved to nine. Try had a little go at playing nine and stuff like that at, at a higher level because that kind of can he snipe and get around and beat yeah. a player. You know, Ben Loader's game pro- may be more suited now to the to the current professional game in that you know had a bit more power um in it he's got a bit more height you know his frame very and he's powerful, kind of, very quick I always that say. kind of kick chase he he'd be a, again if you want to get we can get into a bit of kind of he for me would be a really good 14 as opposed to an 11 in terms of if you want to see a difference between them some coaches again will argue there isn't one they're just wingers so that's a bit of a that's up for debate in and of itself well, I think, well, I think, well let's 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 explore that a bit. What you know, you you've been you've been coaching in this game a long time. 
what are the differences between 11 and 14? Are there differences? What's the... Yeah. I think so, a lot of kids don't necessarily know. Well, so if you're going to see a difference, like, there's a lot of them really like, like we just pick our team and, and schoolboy level, which I like, not that much. There's a couple of things you might look for. Um, so his, obviously we're saying an 11 is normally a left wing, 14 normally right wing. So a first one that's really basic is that in any sort of sub-elite level, schoolboy rugby sub-elite, um, people can generally pass off their right hand better. So if you look at tries, 11s tend to score more tries than 14s. So quite often you want your most dangerous finisher wearing the 11 shirt, not the 14 shirt. Um, although quite often wings like coming off, 14 can be blind, also like coming in. They then get into, as you go up a level, and probably only a handful of scores, although that could be being disrespectful, but certainly when you look at the Academies League, and then something I know probably our audience will, will watch, and certainly Prem Rugby, most nines are right-footed, yeah. which means that right wings tend to receive better box kicks because of the angle of them. So there's more contestable kicks on a 14 than there are on an 11. It's why left-footed kickers are so valuable. So you might want a 14 to be a bit taller, a bit better in the air. So that's why I'm talking about someone like Ben, okay, who, again, look at the weekend with like his ridiculous aerial skills there. And the same goes for, but then the other thing with is if you've got outrageous speed, you might also want to play. So let's go to someone like Lewis Reece Summit. Someone we'll also talk yeah. about. He would also be instinctively a 14 kick and chase winger, like or Gloucester playing a very kick and chase based game at the moment. When you can win that foot race, most players are still right footed. The shape of that right footed kick means that. It's gonna the arc of it will mean it stays on the pitch for longer. If you're in, so he can chase more. So if, if a twelve or a thirty just puts it through, like he, he can get, he's more likely to win that foot race. So kind of, I guess Johnny May, Johnny May's actually switched between them. That he kind of can put again, and wingers can play both sides. You get very his, few. His style of wing play has changed considerably though as time has gone on as he switched between the two, hasn't it? Yeah. So you get you get some who who kind of, you know, really want to play in one. I guess if you look at, you know, Caden Merley at the moment would be a kind of classic eleven. And I put him on my list. I know we talked about him as a 30, but he was such a good schoolboy and he did get yeah. it and I just thought he's worth considering again, even if it's yeah, just yeah. as a you know, and, and he's doing so well now that you know he very classic eleven kind of he's gonna get that ball in transition. Um and again, particularly in school rugby, you know, so again, if you if you've got somebody you want to get their hands on the ball, they're more likely to get it um on, on the left wing. I think there's some I think over at oh, I think a below prem level kind of I think they score about three tries to one left like elevens yeah. over fourteen. So that's worth thinking about. Um but fundamentally their wingers and, and and they attack um well yeah but it's, it's it's always an interesting thing because you as you as you go through the ranks you you see players that that very much see themselves as one or the other and and coaches will see them as one or the other and like most people instinctively know the know the passing thing um although i've always thought that's easily solved by practice um, yeah. <laughs> the uh but the, the you know the the kicking thing I think is is really interesting and it's that it's that aspect of almost your your right winger is your athlete winger 
and your left winger is your your skills winger i suppose is the yeah, kind of a way kind of yeah um, and it was yeah and so to go to yeah when we to go back then to, to cassie it's like we deliberately so cassie's liked when he came into the first he wanted to play on the right wing he played there his step off his right foot is ridiculous but he could use that but we wanted to get him playing 11 so that he could get more touches of the ball and you know again someone who maybe has an unfair advantage here and that I've got more knowledge of him in terms of I was very fortunate enough to to, to witness him play up close and personal for a, for a couple of years um, but you know for a while playing first team rugby at what is a pretty high standard of first team rugby uh, in the country he was averaging nearly five points a touch um, and that's <laughs> that, that's that's you know to, to be doing that against teams like Millfield teams like Whitgift you know is is you know, he, he's not doing that against teams who are just showing up and playing. So they're doing it against teams who know he's coming. So, you know, for, for me, I think, and it's that, again, I'm, I'm aware Cassie's had a lot of pressure put on his shoulders and I don't mean to add more to that, but he's, he, I would say he's the best winger I've seen in, in my time around, around scoreboard rugby. Um, and kind of, for me, it's then a fight between the other guys uh, yeah. for a shirt but that that's kind of probably where I sit on it I'd agree I mean Cassius Cleves was a well, it remains but but was a, a kind of almost a freakish schoolboy player in that he could just he could create almost out of nothing something um, as you say that that step he had was was unbelievable um, his pace was incredible and actually his his understanding of where he needed to be was brilliant um so yeah. often he just found himself in the right place and that's that's not luck um yeah he he, he knew the game he was playing um, that's the thing i think cassie's rugby iq got underrated a lot as did his core skill that and they you know he was a, a super high level rugby player in all aspects of the game and he like cass yes yeah, cass can really kick a ball um as he's having shown as but like we just at Wellington, we wouldn't want him to kick it. Like you got, you want him to run at schoolboy rugby. So it's kick it away. Yeah, like he generally had everything in his locker. So I think, well, there you go. We've got one. So let's give let's okay. give Cass the eleven shirt because he'll get the ball. Although he's got, I mean, he's he's going to have. Uh, I think it's not going to matter whether you're on the right or left wing in this team. Yeah, you're going to get the ball. I, I, think, I think, they can, think these lads inside him can pass it. He should be. Yeah, right. I think they I think they can catch pass all right. Yeah. All right, who to who to put within? God, that's the question. Um, I'm going to go back in time a bit to throw out some some names, yeah. um, and and throw out a really dodgy pronunciation as well. St Joseph's College, George Wakakoki, or yeah, Wakathoki, I think it might be how you pronounce it. it but yeah, it is, isn't it? Yeah. Um, he was. Well, he, he still is. I mean, he's still still forging a pro career up at up at Newcastle Falcons, Newcastle. but he. As a as a school player, he was he was extraordinary at times, and and without sort of wanting to to sort of put put too much of a generalisation on him, um, he typified what you might consider a Fijian winger to typify all outrageous skill. He never knew quite what was coming, and he just did extraordinary things in a in a team that that was playing some great stuff. I mean, he was playing that team that had Lewis Ludlam there. Uh, um, in the back row and stuff, so he was uh, he was getting some front football, that was for sure. But he he did some brilliant stuff. That's the team that won St Joe's, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That yeah, he was yeah. 
that's a good I didn't tell he wasn't on my list that's outrageous that's yeah I mean that's I mean I, remember, I, I saw didn't see that much for him but remember I remember actually watching him play an age group game and he he was phenomenal and again looked just looked ready for the next level which I think is that kind of you know you almost when it looks too easy in a way so yeah I think he's yeah. got to yeah. be in that mix yeah another one in that conversation I'm trying to narrow my list down I mean we might have it there would be <laughs> the would be Henry Arundel, Arundel from yeah. from Harrow just in terms of actually it wasn't an amazing Harrow group he was surrounded by so that's maybe the challenge I remember he 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 probably pulled them to be more competitive than than they should have been, but that his Harrow team wasn't say as strong as his current Harrow group. Yeah. Um, they were still good, don't get me wrong, but they weren't they weren't quite as strong. So that's you know when we talk about you know because Cass was involved in some phenomenal Wellington College first teams. George clearly has been involved in that St Joe's team that's done something at St Joe's. Like, but Henry. You know, in a team that was struggling, like he, I remember him scoring an incredible try, running up the slope at, at Wellington, and That's just an incredible. People's time. legs are going to jelly halfway up that. <laughs> yeah, so I think he he's in the conversation. Right, he's, he's he's a massive shout. Um, possibly, possibly in the conversation at fullback as well. Yeah. Sort of. Yeah. Did he play fifteen at school a bit? Yeah. He played both. Um, yeah. he's oh, God, yeah, it's, oh, this is difficult. <laughs> um, I guess to go to the, the different types of wingers again, you could get so Diago Bailey, who's a, around yeah, the yeah. set of the like powerful boy, Ollie Hassel Collins, like yeah. a couple of guys who come out of the ace system there. Um, I guess if we were to if we were to to go back to your earlier 11s versus 14s. Um, yeah, someone like Bailey, we would probably view as being a fourteen, given his yeah. his sort of um, athletic ability. Um, yeah, he's a really good player. Rick White's yeah. a really good player. Was a very good player as well. Ollie Hansel Collins, as well. Um, Ritimi Shagan at Stowe Northampton School for Boys. Uh, prior to that, he was he was brilliant in a and in similar way to what. Um, Henry Pollock and Archie McParland are doing. He really dragged a Stowe side. I can't remember the name. There was a there was a flanker as well who was pretty good at the same time as him. Um, and they they dragged Stowe to being an incredibly competitive side for that period. Um, he was he was he was really impressive. I think played. I think his brother was there as well and played at thirteen. His their dad. Yeah, really to, to, Tozin was his brother. Yes, Tozin. Tozin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then. And then again, same area is because I think they both started at NSB, those yeah. boys, and they moved over. And then obviously there's Ollie Slighthome in yeah. the last few years who stayed at, and you know, NSB to go back to our earlier kind of stopped that movement of players at 16. And we're seeing kind of the, the fruits of that now with them kind of being super competitive at, at, at first team level. Yeah. Um, Ollie, again, was again a very powerful winger, you know, in terms of like would. would yeah, we're more likely to run over you than than round you, but but quick enough and um, good player there. Going back a bit further, maybe one that it would be would be Gabriel Batoye yeah. uh, from kind of the very good, 
in, in what was meant to be the Trinity team that was meant to do what this Trinity team has done. I mean, they were a hell of a side, that, that Trinity side, but um, Gabriel was really good against someone who, again, I might get this wrong, I think he played under-20s young and he sort of played yeah, first team right. young. And, um, again, hasn't, hasn't quite... Back is he playing in France now or is he back in the UK? He was, in, he was in Israel for a while and then he was at yeah. Jen, I think, and he's been back yeah. and forth. I'm not quite sure where and, he is. And it's just sort of, now. but hasn't you know? But it, you still think this time for Ibertor, and if and if he just gets that opportunity, kind of could be Christian Wade esque has kind of maybe doesn't you know we talked about you know had that kind of explosive step and go maybe didn't quite I would you know maybe not quite the all-court game, which is why at that kind of slightly more, you've got to be, you've got to be more cautious. But again, was an absolutely electric schoolboy to to watch. Um, right. Oh, it's tricky. You're, you're, it you're, tricky. You're, 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 you're the boss. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna just throw out some names that we don't we don't need to discuss much, but just yeah. to, just to give them give them a bit of a shout out. Tom Roebuck from Wirral Grammar School, who's actually got into the England squad now. Um, yeah. Aaron Reed from Kirkham Grammar School, the top schoolboy player. An interesting one as a schoolboy was uh, Joe Thelkin, a singer. It kind of at Bushy Academy, so didn't really have a huge amount of schoolboy rugby under his belt, and then kind of got selected through the the England age group sides, and it was like. God, this guy's a this guy's a freak, and he, you know he's doing stuff at London Irish as well. Um, in the academy, he was so I probably wouldn't include him really in the in the deep conversation on this because he, he didn't as a schoolboy he didn't really get the opportunity to, to do a huge amount in the school scene. But um, to kind of despite that, it was very clear that he was definitely going to go on and be a pro. Um, so he, he's a he's a sort of interesting one. Another one, Paolo Adogwu. And then going back a little further, guys like guys like Nathan Earl and, and Howard Packman, right in that sort of 20, oh yeah, like 2012, 2013, it's probably just on the outskirts of, of this conversation. Nathan Earl was ridiculous as a schoolboy. I've forgotten about him. He was so good as a schoolboy. He was a, he was, I mean, he was a, well, I suppose, to, to the conversation we're having, a real 14. <laughs> he was like, yeah. he was uh, just so much, so much pace, and um, almost impossible to stop. I guess played an awful lot of fullback as well at Oakland's because he was they wanted to get his hands on the ball. I suppose. I guess you could, yeah, and you could include him in that someone who it would be another open boy, Tyrese Johnson Fisher. He's an interesting one, isn't he? Because he maybe didn't quite fulfil his under fifteen promise at first. Yeah, team, I mean, but, the... but then he focused on American football. So... Yeah, exactly. Focusing on American football, he, I mean, he's sort of. Well, you I, I always, I always found him an interesting player because he, I mean, he obviously had that incredible under 15s period, and then when he, as sixth form rolled round and um, pace and power starts to become matched a little bit by those around you, I think he found that transition hard. Um, I could be wrong, but it, it, yeah. certainly, it certainly appeared that way. Um, but then still was given given chances by various teams. I think he spent a bit of time with Tigers. He spent a bit of time with Bristol Bears. He spent yeah. some time playing American football. I think he's can't remember if he's come back now or not. I think he's back in. I think he's actually back in the states now. I think back. he went to Duke because he went to Coastal Carolina again for the NCAA, and then and did a couple of years there. And I think he went then went back to a junior college program. I think I don't want to but again someone correct me um, on that. And I think he's intending to have another crack. 
at the draft if he if he can. So, um, but again, yeah. it was exciting. Um, one I would mention would be again a bit would be Jude Williams who just pulled again. Yeah. again. Caterham not normally kind of can be at the top end, but and wasn't actually on a radar. Had actually been released by academy, but kind of on his own with a he had a good team around him, not on his own, but but pulled that Caterham team. You know, after I'd gone to, to being really competitive, um, and 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 also then from that kind of forced his way into England camps without being at an academy, that's always really impressive. I think when you see somebody that says an attached to them from that, got a contract at Wasp. So you know, as a as a schoolboy, like he was, and again, but again, you could argue played played actually quite a bit at fifteen as well. So I'm gonna I'm gonna say I probably. Wakatoke, Arundel, and then I don't know, or or Ibitoye maybe. What you, and then yeah. and, and I think you, you're going to make you make the final decision. Yeah, I mean, I oh, it's tricky. I I might lean towards Ibitoye. He like the trouble is what I'm remembering is this spectacular try he scored for England under twenty, which is out, kind of outside the scope of what we're talking about, but. Um, he was he was a he was an extraordinary player. I think he, I mean, like all of those guys, he got used at um, he got used at thirteen quite often because um, yeah. you know naturally you you want to get people's hands on the ball, so you bring them in a bit. Um, oh, which way do we which way do we lean? Um, I mean, that Trinity side was the best. I mean, until this group, I think it would. I don't think I'm wrong in saying that would be the most successful Trinity first fifteen. For a long time until this current group, they yeah they were they were um, up so, until that point they had been a school that was not really on the school's rugby radar if that's yeah sense. and like always kind of you know uh, you know Wiki very much dominant there and you know now that's that's you know power balance and power is definitely changing if not yeah. changed and you know that year group sort of began that um, in a way I think in terms of what we say yeah him and, and maybe Waka Thug in that that St Joe's team. Getting them over the line, winning that, but yeah, it's tough. Tricky one. Both two good players. I'm going to go over Toy. I'm going to go with him. He he was very exciting. Um, I really hope we start to see more of him again at professional level because I I still think that excitement has has room in the professional game. Um, yeah. Well, let's put it this way: Wakatokis. Managing, managing to to get game time up at Newcastle Falcons, and he's a similarly exciting, exciting Jack in the Box kind of a player. Um, there's definitely room for it. I just, I just hope someone, someone finds the the space to to give him to give him that. Um, yeah, tough. And Diego Bailey as well. Oh, I, 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 we could go on. We could go. There's on. a lot of play, there's a lot of good players we've missed out there. But yeah, I think I think you're right. And again, it would be nice to see. There's always other things that are almost going, but again, I think the game has now gone to a point where there's room for like for a time probably when he came through the game is very conservative and at the at the professional level and maybe now it is opening up more. Um although again I was I was hoping Cassis was gonna get and then when I saw Josh Bassett sign, I was like, Oh no, get get Cassis in the team and so, but there we go. That's again, that's my personal bias, but there we go. Right. No. When when two teams worth of uh, of players suddenly become available. It's, uh, it gets harder for the young guys, and occurred yeah. to others. Yeah, but yeah. okay. So that is our that that's our two wingers, Cassius Cleves, wearing eleven from Wellington College, 
and Gabriel Ibizoy from Trinity wearing 14, or we can switch it. I mean, they will switch around in game. Yeah. yeah. Um, which leaves us with just the fullback to go next week. Uh, and that is another position where the options are quite ridiculous. There'll be a few guys that were in today's conversation that put their hand up in the fullback <laughs> yeah. as well. Um, it's good. It's going to, going to be interesting. Um, but that is that for today. Um, Dan, thank you so much. I think we've we've gone on and on, but we've covered what I think are some really important topics as well as some quite good fun ones. And we will be back next week uh, around about the same time. Uh, make sure to give us a subscribe and a follow and all that kind of stuff. Uh, apparently it's all very useful uh, stuff. So it's at NextGen15 on Instagram, Twitter, etc. And you can listen and subscribe and rate and review and all the rest of it at Acast, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. And you can watch us if you are that mad on YouTube. Dan, thanks very much. Good stuff. Pleasure, pleasure mate. And we'll have looking forward to having some, some games to discuss and hopefully some upsets. I'm sure we'll, we can prove wrong on who we think is going to win. But yeah, it'd be fun. Looking forward who, to it. Who knows how long we'll go on with the actual games to discuss. My God, it'd be interesting. <laughs> But good stuff. Thank you, everyone, for watching and listening, and we will see you next week. Bye.